0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And we are back with ufologist, cryptozoologist, Nick Redfern, the author of so many books on UFOs, cryptozoology, the paranormal, conspiracy theories. And he writes regularly for magazines and has uncovered thousands of pages of previously classified Royal Air Force, Air Ministry, and Ministry of Defense files on UFOs. And here he is back on Coast to Coast. Nick, always a pleasure. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, George. I'm good, thanks.
0: You've been traveling a lot.
1: Yeah, quite a bit of so lectures and conferences and a lot of research as well.
0: Good for you. This latest, this book is a home run, Flying Saucers from the Kremlin. Tell me how long it took for you to do that research.
1: Um, It's probably altogether sort of 18 months to about two years, and um, a lot of it was sort of getting material through the Freedom of Information Act of several nations like Australia, the U.K., and of course the United States, and, um, and really putting together um, a sort of fascinating story that hasn't sort of really been told before now, uh, namely the, the means and, and which, uh, ways which the, the Soviet Union um, attempted to sort of create hysteria and paranoia in the United States by fabricating UFO stories. It's sort of a very strange but fascinating lesser-known aspect of the whole UFO phenomenon.
0: How did the subject matter get to you, Nick, to the point where you wrote a book on it?
1: Well actually, um, kind of ironically, (laughs) it came from the U.S. government itself. the the National Security Agency, like a lot of um, U.S. government agencies, have over the years collected information on UFOs, and some of those files have been released under the terms of the Freedom of Information Act. One particular file um, that was declassified by the NSA um, references a an alleged UFO crash just off the coast of Norway in 1952, and somebody in the NSA had actually circled around that story in big letters, written the, uh, written the letters um, PLANT, P-L-A-N-T, PLANT. And um, and it was clear that this particular document um, was pointing out that this story of a crashed UFO just off the coast of Norway was a bogus story. And it turns out that um, the, the Soviets had actually if you like, concocted this particular story as a means to try and convince the United States that Russia had acquired um, alien technology and, you know, they would be far in ahead of us. So, in other words, it was a strange story that I stumbled on and and which demonstrated how some of these early UFO stories were, were bogus. They'd been created by the Soviet Union as a means to try and, as I said, create Paranoia, fear, and worries that you know they were going to fabricate um, alien technology before we could understand it and so the more I looked into these stories, the more I found that there were um, numerous cases where the Soviets had been sort of meddling and um, and getting involved in our politics in our intelligence communities. And using the UFO subject as a means to do that.
0: Interesting. And the fact that they would spread these bogus stories, Nick, does not mean that the UFO cases generally were wrong or not real, correct?
1: Yeah, that's one of the important things I note in the introduction of the book. Just because, you know, the Soviets were creating um, these bogus stories as a means to create fear and so on, uh, that doesn't take away the fact that, you know, there is a genuine UFO phenomenon. I think all of us, or certainly the vast majority of the people listening right now, you know, do accept that there's a genuine UFO phenomenon. I, I think, you know, to, to deny that would be very, very stupid. Um, so, you know, I think what we're looking at, well, well I know what we're looking at, is the, we've got on one side of the coin, we have legitimate UFO encounters. Um, now, whether the phenomenon is extraterrestrial, multidimensional, time travelers, you know, I, I admit I don't know, but I, mm-hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that there is a phenomenon. But what essentially happened in the late 40s onward was that the Soviet Union kind of hijacked this genuine real phenomenon and then started to use it for very different reasons so i think that we need to sort of um you know look at both sides of, of the story one is that yes there are legitimate ufo cases but there are also fabricated cases for very different reasons and, and the challenge if you like is to try and figure out um you know which are the true stories and which are part of these counterintelligence disinformation programs put out by the Russians.
0: The subtitle of your book, Flying Saucers from the Kremlin, very equally important, UFOs, Russian meddling, Soviet spies, and Cold War secrets, and we'll get into each area there. When Roswell hit in 1947, did the Russians get involved in that at all, Nick, in your work?
1: Well, that's a good question, George, because if you um, look at the FBI's files, which have been declassified, um, from 1947 and specifically the summer of 47, when the whole UFO phenomenon kicked off in, in June of that year with, with Kenneth Arnold and then just a couple of weeks later um, with, the, with the FBI looking at, at some of the other cases from, uh, from the summer of 47. Now certainly Roswell is the most famous case and certainly um, also the f- most famous case from 1947 as well. Now, what's particularly interesting is that if you look at the FBI's declassified files, um, they were also talking in that period, just weeks after the Kenneth Arnold um, encounter, the FBI was talking to each other about how um, some of these stories seemed to be created stories. In as, as weird as it might sound, when the FBI went to look into some of these cases, they could not find the people. And the reason being, because the stories had been fabricated. And now, we can't obviously place uh, Roswell into that category, but what we do know is at the height of the the summer 1947 encounters, Roswell being the primary one. Um, We do know that the FBI started to look into rumors in that period that there were Soviet spies in New Mexico trying to understand the truth of the UFO phenomenon. So what this demonstrates is that in the immediate aftermath of the Kenneth Arnold encounter in June 47. What we have is a situation where it seems that Russian spies clandestinely were smuggled into the United States and were looking into the UFO phenomenon. And part of that agenda, if you like, was to try and determine what the Soviet Union were doing. And it seems to be there were two things. One was to try and understand the nature of the real phenomenon. Another one was to see how they could put a plan into action, if you like, as a means to create uh, fake stories and, um, and really try and mess with the minds of the U.S. government.
0: Nick, uh, George Adamski was one of the first contactees back in the 1950s, uh, claimed that, you know, he was picked up, that he's been the Venus. Was he involved in this somehow?
1: Yes, he actually was. I have have a couple of chapters in the book about Adamski. Um, Now, for people who aren't sort of overly familiar with the the contact, excuse me, contact team movement, as it was known back in the 1950s, um, George Adamski, without... Any doubt whatsoever he was sort of the primary contactee, namely someone who claimed face to face contact with very human looking aliens and Typically the contactees would meet these alleged aliens out in desert locations such as Arizona, um, California, New Mexico, and so on and Typically, the aliens would warn the contactees, but um, you know if you don 't change your warlike ways then the world is going to be destroyed. And it, it was almost like, um, like a, a friendly warning, if you like, that most of the stories that the contactees were talking about. Now, George Adamski, without doubt, he was a very controversial figure, but he really does kind of define the, the ultimate contactee, if you like. Now... A lot of people don't realize that in his early lectures, Adamski was talking about how the aliens that he allegedly met out in the California desert um, were actually communists. Now, that might kind Hmm. of sound almost laughable to some people, but if you bear in mind that his first book, Flying Saucers Have Landed, in its first printing, it sold just around 125,000 copies, which is an incredible number of books um, on UFOs to sell, you know, today, you know, the figures are, are nothing like that at all. Um, and the FBI got concerned because here's this guy talking about how the aliens are communist and how we need to embrace communism. And he's, t- and he's telling essentially 125,000 people that communism is a good thing.
0: Oh my God, I um, bet our government went nuts.
1: Yeah, now if it, you know, if Adamski was just speaking to groups of like 10 or 15 people in a, you know, back room in a library on a Sunday afternoon, no, I don't think the FBI would have cared at all. But the fact that Adamski, you know, was selling books in such massive amounts and he was, you know, heavily uh, wanted on the um lecture circuit and he's, you know, he's promoting communism, uh, promoting russia and so on that's why the fbi got concerned and one of the things that they found which was particularly intriguing that the fbi in the course of their surveillance of adamsky they found that on a number of occasions adamsky had been meeting apparently with um russian individuals in downtown los angeles in the 1950s and The story is a very intriguing one, where these meetings would occur on several occasions in 1952 and 1953. And the FBI came around to the idea that the entire goal, if you like, of some of the early contactees was to spread communism, but to do it under the guise of friendly aliens who just want to help us. And um, another of the early contactees, a man named Orfeo Angelucci, um, who was sort of like a second tier, if you like, of the contactee movement, he went on record as saying that um, a group of essentially like Russian individuals uh, met with him on the East Coast prior to a lecture in the early 50s. And he talked about how this particular mysterious group tried to... um, convince him to slant his uh, lectures around communism. And fortunately, Angelucci would not go um, with that particular theory. And he actually uh, told the FBI. He approached the FBI and um, and again, a file was opened on him. And to give you an example of the, the concerns that the FBI had about Adamski...
0: And was, he, was Adamski a plant in any way?
1: Well whether or not he was a direct plant is something, you know, we can debate upon, but there's absolutely no doubt that he, in his, in his early lectures, uh, sort of 52 to 55 onward. Um, he, he spoke extensively about how communism, you know, was the way of the future. He also said that, um, you know, that a third world war was going to, was looming and that the, the Russians were going to win. And, um, and he he said that the the, the sort of Soviet way of life, um, you know, was the one for the future. Now, this is not just sort of hearsay. This is actually all mentioned in the now declassified FBI files on Adamski, which I've got hold of. And and to give you an idea of the depth of the surveillance that went on, um, Adamski's FBI file is now pushing 500 pages, in length. Wow, and he died
0: in 1965, giving a UFO lecture in Maryland, of all places for him yeah. to die.
1: And um, and uh, yeah, I think you know the the most important thing about this was that yeah, again, you know whether people buy into the contactee stories or not, because they are very controversial. The fact is, a lot of people were listening to Adamski, and that was certainly one of the the goals. Of the Russians was to try and ensure that the the agenda that they were trying to get across was actually getting across sure
0: they didn't have social media then and he was getting a lot of uh, newspaper pub- publicity
1: he was getting newspaper publicity magazines um, the the the, um, the conference circuit back then. I mean, was, again, also much bigger than it is today. For example, George Van Tassel, another of the early contactees, um, put on regular um, yearly events out at Giant Rock, just outside Landers in California and at their height, those particular outdoors conferences at Giant Rock um, had audiences in figures of like nine to 12,000 people. Wow.
0: I, I think when you have a couple thousand at contact in the desert, that's huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, never mind 12,000. So, so, in other words, the, the word, if you like, was really getting out there in the early years of ufology that, A, communism is good, B, the Russians are far in advance of us and see that the, the contactees were spreading the, the word of, of the aliens. And, um, and I think for the most part, the FBI was, wasn't overly concerned by the real phenomenon of UFOs because that was being investigated by the Air Force. The FBI was deeply concerned, though, that people like Adamski were sort of molding and modeling the, the mindsets of the general public.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.